0: Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Tuesday night, as I am recording this after the Nuggets clinch a top-four seed in the Western Conference playoff picture with a win over the Charlotte Hornets, final score 112-107. This was a good game, a little bit of an infuriating game at times, but it was still a very good game, and we're going to talk about it. First two segments will be about this game. Third segment will be about what's happening around the league, give a playoff update, and then some games to watch on Wednesday. Uh, Nuggets fans, I want you to stay up to date. I want you to think about what this Nuggets team is going to be looking like, what they're going to do over these last three games of the season. Uh, And that has really affected things because of this, uh, this outcome tonight and what's going on around the NBA. I think it's very important to discuss. And I think it's very important to keep everybody informed at this stage. So, again, if you haven't subs- if you haven't uh, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, that would be awesome. Uh, those r- those reviews always brighten the day. So keep them coming in if you can. Uh, if you have any other questions, then make sure to follow me on Twitter at NBA Blackburn. Make sure to just reach out. Usually try to answer as many as I possibly can, but. If I miss it, then no worries. Just DM me, and I should get back to you there. So let's talk about this game. Let's talk about what happened. This Nuggets team, they are a very fun team when they are rolling. Uh, in that first quarter, this Nuggets team was up by at least 20 points on, on multiple occasions uh, on the back of really strong defense, especially in that those first six minutes of the game, but also just really hot shooting and really good ball movement. From all of Denver's players. Denver had a lot of great opportunities created by and for Michael Porter Jr., who started off this game very, very hot. 16 points in the first quarter, created some shots for himself and others, but also just kind of worked within the offense, and it never felt like he was pushing the envelope too much. He was just creating good shots, and they went in. That's just sort of how his game has gone of late, and that is exactly what you want from a Nuggets perspective, because He just continues to create great shots, and a team like the Charlotte Hornets just doesn't have anybody that can stay in front of him. So you want him to act like it. You want him to play like it. He knew that he could get whatever he wanted when he wanted, and that was really affected, I think, by how the Hornets guarded him. They had a lot of small guys on the floor. Sometimes they even had Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier on him uh, whenever it was LaMelo Ball. There was a time where he posted up Lamella ball after getting hot in that first quarter. Um, and there was a double deck game, kicked it out across the court to Faku Kompazo. Which, if you followed Denver and you remember back to uh, Nikola Jokic doing that in the fourth quarter against the Los Angeles Clippers, having that looping pass to Faku Kompazo from the post to the corner, it is not an easy pass. And Porter made it. He just has so much further to go with his entire game. It sort of feels like he's just scratching the surface in a lot of the other skill-based categories that aren't related to shooting and scoring. He sees the floor better than people give him credit for, and as long as he continues to have that mentality of sharing the basketball, creating good shots for his teammates, it's a good thing. Because he did a great job of relocating after that shot, Falco Campazo pump fakes, gets a defender behind him, drives to the basket, draws in Michael Porter's man. Porter has a wide-open three that he he hits. It's just very impressive to watch him right now because he's clearly growing before our very eyes. Like I said, he's just got so much more to grow. And he just stands out from a a shot-making perspective every single game, it feels like. He's been on a hot streak, don't get me wrong, but This might just be who he is at times. It may not be quite this good. Tonight, he had 30 points, 12 of 18 from the field, 6 of 10 from 3. Didn't even get to the free throw line, but he didn't need to. He was just dominant. Six rebounds, one assist, two steals. He did have five turnovers. Thought he forced the issue a little bit too much in the second half. And Let's talk about that second half real quick, because I think that it pertains to Porter a lot he had 13 shots. I remember this vividly. I think he was 9 of 13 going into the second half. It took him seven minutes to get a shot attempt in that second half. And Denver's had this problem where he's he's 9 of 13. He's got 20 plus points. He's just kicking ass, doing great. And then they go away from him at times because at times, he he takes, he takes had the ball taken out of his hands in Brooklyn because he got into foul trouble. He got his third foul in the, at the end of the second quarter and then had to come out at that point. There wasn't really a reason why he didn't get more shots in this game. And I thought that Denver, especially in that third quarter, they could have really tried to push the envelope again. Because, look, the starters for Charlotte were LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier... Jaden McDaniels, PJ Washington, and Bismack Biombo. Neither McDaniels nor Washington could really do anything with Porter, especially when he was coming off of DHOs, when he was being involved. It definitely didn't feel like he was a focal part of the game plan, focal point, excuse me. And that's okay. He doesn't need to be against the Charlotte Hornets, but when this team is playing a first round series against, let's say, Portland, who they're currently slated to face now, and he's got a matchup against Robert Cuffington, they're still going to have to go to him consistently because there aren't that many other options, especially if Will Barton is out. It's going to be Jokic, it's going to be point guards, it's going to be Porter, and it's going to be Barton if he's healthy. Denver's going to have to figure that out. They're going to have to navigate that, but they also have to figure out how to keep feeding him how to consistently get him touches and how to not have him float because it's kind of an, it's not an issue. Like again, it's the Charlotte Hornets right now, but I still think that it's something that has cropped up over these past several weeks that Porter's best minutes often come in the first half of games. And then in the second half, Denver sort of acts like, okay, we're getting serious. Now, Jokic ball, we're going to the post. When Porter's got it going, you want to be able to give it to him and consistently hand him those opportunities to continue to break the game open, because that's what he was doing. He had the highest plus minus on the team by a lot, and it's because he has a lot of effect on the game as a jump shooter, as a spot-up shooter, as a creator off the dribble, as whatever. He does a lot of great things and draws the defense in so many ways that I think it's important to Give him his flowers, and continue to work through him. Jokic had it going, Gordon had it going, but I still think that—I don't know—I still think that Porter can definitely do some things, and they should probably try to just just involve him a little bit more in those cases. All right, let's talk about Jokic now. Uh, it was a good game for Nikola Jokic. It wasn't spectacular. It wasn't perfect, but it, it was a good game, and I think he he deserves a lot of credit for that. And Porter had thirty points, Jokic had thirty points. He only took sixteen shots, but he did take seventeen free throw attempts. Seven, sixteen of seventeen. I think that might be a career high, though. I, don't don't quote me on that. It's sort of nuts to see Jokic get to the line so many times, and I, and I will say there were three technical fouls. I'm pretty sure that he took. Uh, Two, two from James Borrego, who was ejected from this game, and then one from Lamella Ball. If I'm not mistaken, there there might have been one or two others. Not, not actually no. I think those were the only three. But still, 17 free throw attempts. If you minus the three technical free throws, he still got to the line 14 times, and I thought it was justified. I thought the way that he was like getting to the rim, putting pressure on the defense. And doing a consistently good job. Uh just trying to put pressure on Bismack Biombo, Cody Zeller, guys like that, when he got switched on to PJ Washington or anybody else, thought he did a great job. And this is a the the type of Jokic game that you know he wants to like he, he wants to win this one because he's being aggressive to the rim. Only had six assists, two turnovers, tried to simplify things clearly, uh, two, th- two three-point attempts, excuse me. Not a lot of other shots. Uh, a lot of his shots in the in the shot clock just sort of came, either they were um, at the rim, right at the rim, or just kind of in his favorite spots. He took two threes, he took one 19-footer, which was a little bit weird, kind of on that right elbow extended. He went two of four from kind of the right baseline area, and then O of one on the left baseline. And so most of the other shots were right under the rim. And he gets into that zone, puts pressure on himself, puts pressure on the defense to consistently get to that place. And I I wonder where those shooting fouls occurred because a lot of them, they were pushes in the post. Some of them were right under the rim where he kind of got raked and hacked by the... uh, by outstretched arms. It was a good game for him, and he really showed that he was a better center than Bismarck Biambo and Cody Zeller, and that's, that's really all there was to it tonight, but it's a good sign. It's a good sign that, that everything was kind of working for Denver, and Jokic was just one of those guys where when he is clicking and when Porter is clicking at the same time, it's hard to stop this team. It really is. I tend to think that lots of teams are going to have trouble stopping Denver as long as Porter keeps going, as long as he he stays engaged, as long as he stays aware of just where uh, where the pressure is going to be coming from. I think that those two could have a lot of games where they combine for 60 points, where they combine for 70 points, because they're just going to be so dominant. Sometimes they'll stagger, and that will help things for sure. But when you're in a lineup with Faku, Kompazo, Austin Rivers, and Aaron Gordon, who we'll talk about next, it's important to take a high usage. And both Porter and Jokic really did that tonight. And that's what they needed to do. They had good matchups, and they took advantage. Let's talk about Aaron Gordon before we hit a break. Um, 17 points. Six rebounds, three assists, and two steals for Aaron Gordon. It was a plus 11, 29 minutes, eight of 14 from the field, one of two from three. Big time shot from three for him. Pretty sure that it might have happened in the third quarter, but it could have happened in the fourth quarter too, but Gordon in this game thought he did a really nice job of playing off of what Denver normally does. A lot of his shots just came at the rim. Had a, had one shot right at the end of the half. Uh, at the end of the first half, is kind of a an inbound play from Austin Rivers. Kind of posted up his man and just got a good shot off over him. All the other shots really came right under the rim, and there were some that were blocked. There were some that were missed. But because he puts so much pressure there, and because he gets to the restricted area as much as he does, that's going to be valuable. And it's one of the reasons why Denver's offense looked so good when the starters were out there it was it, it was Jokic and it was Porter, but they were creating a lot of shots for Gordon too. Faku did as well. Faku had a good game, and we'll talk about that in just a bit, but the key play of tonight, in my opinion, was Denver, when they needed a basket late. They were trying to get the ball to Jokic, trying to get the ball to Porter. Neither of those guys really touched the ball. And so they're they're playing denial defense, the Charlotte Hornets were. And Aaron Gordon gets the ball on the left wing, with about five seconds left, and he just creates a shot. Just drives to the rim, misses the layup, but draws two defenders, and both of the guys go for the block. And he gets the the follow up tip miss for a a for a bus for a bucket. God, I, mic- I mixed basket and bucket, and that's what you just heard there. Um, and it really helps. It really helps when Aaron Gordon is involved but kind of in a more healthy way, where he's not settling for shots. Uh, Just the look of his shot chart tonight is, is the look of a guy who didn't settle for jumpers tonight. Got to the rim, got where he needed to go, and that's the most important thing. The jump shot will come. He hit one tonight. It's going to be important that it does, but you can't force it to be there. He was trying to shoot through it before at times. And there are a lot of times where he lost confidence. Uh, before tonight, he's shooting about 26% from three when he's in a Nuggets uniform. We'll see whether that finishes in the playoffs like that, because he could be a gamer. He could be somebody that shoots 35% from three in the playoffs, and that's good enough. That's all you really need him to do. You don't need him to shoot 40%. You don't need him to shoot 38%. You need him to shoot 35 and keep defenses honest. It can't just all be on Jokic and Porter. And especially without Murray, if Barton is also hurt, Gordon has to do some stuff. Thought he did a good job of switching onto to the Charlotte guards as well, uh, whether it was uh, Devontae Graham late in the game, whether it was Terry Rozier, LaMelo Ball. All of those guys are very good, and I thought that Aaron Gordon was a big piece of why they were able to close this game late on the defensive end. Alright, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about Faku and the bench, but first, I want to talk to you about the sponsor of this podcast, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. As you know, DraftKings, they love to run their promos, they love to give you free money and opportunities whenever they can. And this weekend is no different on the UFC 262 card. Nate Diaz, Michael Chandler. Gonna be no shortage of action tonight if you're if you're interested in the UFC. They have a heavyweight offer for this weekend's fight with 100 to 1 odds. DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 100 to 1 odds on that fighter as long as you pay $1. That's it. New users for DraftKings Sportsbook will get 100 to 1 odds on whichever main title card they choose. Uh, Whether it's Nate Diaz, Michael Chandler, anybody on the main title card. Should be good. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS when you sign up to turn $1 into $100. Place your bet and watch the fist fly this weekend. That's code MHS to turn $1 into $100 for a limited time. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We will be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. All right, back here on Pickaxe and Roll. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day. Uh, let's talk about Faku and let's talk about what the bench did in this first half and then in the second half because I think both are important. They're both important. Uh, Faku just continues to shine. That's a lot of great stuff on defense tonight against Lamelo Ball. Lamelo Ball had a really really difficult night and it wasn't just Faku. Like I think Austin Rivers spent some time on Lamelo too, but. I thought that Faku was just everywhere. Three steals tonight, plus 14. Uh, didn't have a great shooting night, but hit the shots when they mattered. Uh, Lamella Ball goes one of nine. Seven assists, five turnovers. He's a high-volume player, and I thought that Faku really got under his skin in a lot of cases. Jokic did a good job of deflecting some passes to Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter. All the guys really did. You just go through it. Aaron Gordon had two steals. Porter had two steals. Compasso had three. Rivers had two. Uh, Jokic was the only one without any. But he still played good defense, and he still did what you would need for him to do. And that's important. Faku tonight, zero points going into that fourth quarter, gets all eight of his points in that fourth. Comes up clutch, especially on the final three that he hit. Uh, it was with about a minute and a half left to go. Nuggets were struggling a little bit. Jokic gets the ball at the top of the key. Faku's man doubles off of Faku. Jokic, being the passer that he is, passes it to Faku, and Faku, being the confident shooter that he is in the clutch, just drills a three. Awesome to see. That's what you. That's what you want from him. And I think that he is making a really good case to stay in that starting rotation going into the playoffs. You don't want to change a good thing. You don't want to change up what's happening well. And lately Faku's playing some really good basketball. He's facilitating well, he's creating shots for others, he's creating shots for himself, hitting the shots that need to be hit. He's also playing good defense and I think it's it's pretty like unequivocal at this point. So, we're going to see what happens to this rotation as people come back, but I would be surprised if Faku wasn't the playoff starter on game one of whoever they're playing, whether it's against Dallas and Luca, whether it's against Portland and uh, Dame. I think that Compazo will be the starter. And whether that sticks, we'll just have to see, but I think that they're gonna want to give Monte Morris just a little bit of extra time. And if he comes back and if he looks good and if Campazo struggles, then maybe they make that change. But for now. Don't mess with a good thing. Just Try to keep it going. Try to bolster the bench if at all possible. If you're Monte. Speaking of that bench, the first half it was just uh it was not good. Monte Morris and Faku are not Faku. Uh, Vlaco played in the first half. They didn't play in the second half. Uh, Monte was replaced by Marcus Howard, and Vlaco was replaced just with more minutes for Michael Porter Jr. and it's not surprising. Not surprising at all in my opinion, because Vlaco, he just uh without being too mean, like I'm just not really sure what Vlacko does well, especially on the offensive end. Like, when he's playing small forward, there just isn't a lot for him to do because he's not a good outside shooter. He's not really a good creator for others. Often he will make more mistakes than he makes good plays, and he just doesn't have enough experience doing so to make it really valuable. He'll have one good play here or there, but most of the time he's just out there to kind of eat up minutes, to soak up soak up time so that Michael Porter doesn't play 40 minutes every night. And that, that was probably the reason. It's probably the, re- the reason why Michael Malone played Flacco in that first half. It's also probably the reason, given that he struggled, that he didn't play him in the second half because... Porter needed to be out there for spacing purposes, and Denver's bench responded. Nobody in that first half could really hit a shot, because you have a lineup out there, Monte Morris just coming off of a fresh injury, Shaq Harrison, Vlako Chanchar, Jermichael Green, who did hit a three, and Paul Millsap, who did hit some shots, but not not all of them. And I think that's important to note, that Paul Millsap, despite the fact he did hit some shots, and they were good shots. He wasn't perfect. He still turned the ball over three times. It wasn't the perfect efficiency, and and I thought that there were some struggles on the defensive end from that group that really manifested themselves. Cody Zeller looked like a bigger player and played like it over both Jermichael Green and Paul Millsap. Cody Zeller had four offensive rebounds and 10 total. Two steals, three assists, 15 points, was a plus 23 off the bench. For the Hornets. That's because he's a better player than Pismac Biombo, And that's its very curious why they didn't start Zeller. But maybe this was on purpose. And they got close because of it. Denver, though. Millsap and Green have to be able to contend with centers. Because I'm not sure that I trust JaVale at this point to be able to do that. I'm also not sure that I trust Paul Millsap to be at the four. Because I want him at the five. What he does at the five at times, especially when he's playing against a like-sized player, is really, really impressive. And especially in the post, because he, he's been given a lot of opportunities in the post, and he hasn't disappointed, especially since the, the second half of the season really started. So I hope that he gets his I hope that he gets his opportunities, and I hope that Jermichael Green can sometime uh, finish a dunk. Because there are some, there are so many opportunities. For whatever reason, that Jamichael Green at the at the rim, it's just it's just very weird. Um, he was good, but he's also good at for at least one missed shot at the rim. Because last last game it was against Brooklyn. Tonight it was just a dunk. It was just a wide open dunk, and just put it off the back iron, or maybe it was the front iron, and then it bounced out. But uh. He clearly missed it, and it was open, and <laughs> these are just shots that you got to hit, and it's been happening very frequently lately. I didn't really talk about his missed opportunity that much yesterday, or not yesterday, Monday, um, but I still think that it's notable and that if he's going to play out there, if he's going to play well, like if he's going to play a lot, he's got to be better, and there are a lot of times where he fouls, where he's just not in good position on the perimeter, Looks like he's in quicksand a little bit. I think he needs some extended time off, which Green could definitely do with a couple games off in a row, where he tries to get his body right, plays better, a little bit more fresh. Maybe that'll help. But yeah, that bench in the second half, with Michael Porter Jr. out there, Marcus Howard briefly in for Monte Morris, but really it was just Faku who played 37 minutes. Uh, that lineup of uh, Faku, uh, Shaq Harrison, Michael Porter, Jamichael Green, and Paul Millsap—it's a lot better, and still really good defensively. Actually, it's probably better defensively than what Denver ran out there in the first half, because I think that Faku is just being at the point of attack and being able to mess with whoever's bringing up the ball pretty consistently. That helps. And then making all those rotations really helps too. Denver had a lot of minutes where their defense held Charlotte to, I think, just one point for a lot of that time. Charlotte shouldn't have been able to come back, but as as the starters kind of floated back in, they got some better minutes. I think Cody Zeller came back in after a brief respite. I don't know. Uh, Denver, they, their bench really struggled. They were outscored, I think, the number was 53. 51 to 23, I'm pretty sure. It's not great. You never want to see that kind of number, but Denver's just got to be better. They've got to be better overall, and hopefully, Will Barton and PJ Dozier can come back and give them reinforcements. Monte Morris coming back is big. He was fine in his return, it was nothing special. It was just good to see him on the floor. He did make a good move in isolation late in the shot clock to get a bucket at the rim. That's what you miss sometimes with him. It's not just the traditional point guard play. It's not just the assist to turnover ratio. It's the fact that he can create a shot pretty late in the clock and does it pretty well. It's a really good thing to have. And I hope that Denver continues to cultivate that because they're going to need it. They're going to need other players outside of Porter and Jokic to create some offense, especially because Porter's not much of a dribbler. Monte, he's probably going to play all three of the remaining games maybe it sits one on the back to back but i expect that he'll probably be within 15 to 25 minutes in each of those games just trying to ramp up trying to get ready for for game action in the playoffs if he can get ready if he can get into a good position denver's going to be okay denver's going to figure it out right now they've been a, they've been trying to figure out this point guard position and it's been a struggle but having monte morris back Uh, to help out Faku to give him a little bit of a breather. That would be a big, big deal. Because those guys are two veterans. They know what they're doing. They know how to orchestrate an offense and and get everybody involved and make sure that everybody's in the right place. Uh, Faku's done a really good job of picking up on that, and he's really adjusted well. Monte was always good at that. He was just always, that's just how he was. He was very poised. Bringing that guy back, hopefully then bringing back PJ and Will, Give Denver some good reinforcements heading into the playoffs, and that would be a big, big deal. So, anything else on this game before we hit another break? Now, let's let's hit another break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the playoff picture. We'll be right back. segment pickaxe and roll ryan blackburn here thank you so much for tuning in uh let's talk west playoff picture because a lot of things have changed as they normally do uh, just refreshing the standings here to make sure i'm not missing anything few things happen that are of important note tonight first of all the clippers won which means that denver's lo- or denver's win doesn't necessarily matter in the standings they uh Because the Clippers won over the Raptors, they still stay one game up over the Nuggets for the three seed in the West. Utah is still at one. Phoenix, they lost to Golden State at two. And Phoenix is now kind of splitting the distance between Utah at one and the Clippers at three. It's too bad because... uh, (coughs) Excuse me. Um... It may not be too bad because Denver, they're probably okay with uh, with being in the four seed in, in this case. And then getting as high as you want to doesn't necessarily make it good because the Lakers are sitting at seven. But the Clippers, they might actually catch the Suns. It might not happen, but I don't see any reason why the Clippers should lose another game because of who they're playing. Like their schedule is very, very easy going forward. They have Charlotte who the Nuggets just played, and the Clippers should definitely win that game. Then they have Houston on a back-to-back. Then they have Oklahoma City. Those are two of the worst teams in the NBA. And as long as they get the Charlotte game, they may not, they may not be able to out-tank Houston and OKC. So if they, win against, if they win against Charlotte, then I wonder if Phoenix has a little bit of pressure put on them, or maybe they just drop. Maybe they do their best to drop out of there. Because... They may not be super close to uh, to Utah anymore. Like it's going to be very hard for Phoenix to catch Utah at this point, despite the fact that they have the tiebreaker. The Suns they have twenty one losses and three games to go. The Jazz have nineteen losses and three games to go. Which means, if the Suns go three and zero, the Jazz all they have to do is go two and one and they stay above them. The Suns are probably not going to go 3-0. They still have Portland, who's fighting for their lives to stay away from the Lakers. They still have San Antonio twice on a back-to-back. And San Antonio, they are still trying to ensure that the Pelicans don't catch them. Now, their their margin isn't that big. Uh, If the Pelicans win out then all they can do is get up to 34 wins. The Suns currently have 33. Uh, Let me just check that tiebreaker just to ensure that I know what I'm talking about with that matchup. Uh, Because if the Spurs, if they have the tiebreaker over the Pelicans, then that would mean that all they have to do is get one more win. They do. So all the Spurs need is one more win. They play... Um, let's just get this squared up here. They play Brooklyn tomorrow. Brooklyn's coming on a back-to-back. Then they play the Knicks, who, like, they just lost to the Lakers tonight, and we'll get to that. If the Spurs lose both of those games, then they're still going to be trying hard against Phoenix in all likelihood. That would be my estimation. If Phoenix loses that first game against the Spurs, then they might be able to, they might drop to the three seed. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Because the Clippers, they're they're probably going to, they might go 49-23, and which they're at 46-23 and right now. If they get up to 49, pretty sure they have the tiebreaker over Phoenix, but I could be wrong. I actually probably am. Ah, uh, crap. Um, let's do this. Oh, that was wrong. Okay, either way, not great podcasting here because I am not giving you guys the right right information. But the point being, Denver sitting at four. They're kind of sitting pretty right now. Right now they have Portland at five because Portland and Dallas are tied at 40 and 29. The Lakers are at 39 and 30. One game back. If Portland and Dallas finish tied, that means that Portland stays ahead. Denver, they might prefer that. They might prefer Portland to Dallas. I'm just I'm running a poll on Twitter right now to see whether people are are more interested in playing the Mavericks or the Blazers in the first round for the Nuggets. And 53% say the Mavericks, 47% say the Blazers. So Maybe the Nuggets would prefer to see the Mavericks, but I don't really think that they care. Denver should probably be favored in both of those series. And they'll have an opportunity in those that as long as they get back some people healthy, they should be okay. It's just about down the road whether they can force other people into different spots. Like, let's say the Clippers catch the Suns at two. If the Lakers stay at 7, you've got a 2-7 matchup between the Lakers and the Clippers, and the Clippers win that? That would be a great way to get the Lakers out of the playoffs entirely. In which case, then, if you're Denver, you feel pretty good about your route to the finals. Despite the fact that you don't have Jamal. Be very impressive. Obviously. Like, I was on a, uh, a locker room earlier tonight. And they were talking about legacy and what would happen if, if a player won a ring, which player would benefit the most. And Jokic could definitely benefit from a legacy perspective because people are going to be criticizing this MVP for a long time, rightly or, rightly or wrongly. If Jokic won an MVP without and then a title without Murray, it would be incredible. It would be one of the most incredible finals runs of anybody. Basically, Patrick Ewing theory from 1999. Denver could do it; they definitely could. It's going to be pretty difficult for obvious reasons, but they could do it. Here are the games to watch on Wednesday uh, that will affect the playoff picture. This is tomorrow. For me, it's tomorrow. For you guys, it's tonight uh, at seven o'clock Mountain. New Orleans and Dallas play. If Dallas wins that game, then I'm pretty sure they can finish no lo- no lower than the Lakers. The Lakers would not be able to catch them. Um, actually, that's not true. Um, yeah, that's not true. Actually, uh, Dallas's uh, magic number to finish over the Lakers is two. It's not. It's not one. If Dallas won and the Lakers lost, then that would be true. Portland is also playing tomorrow. They are playing against Utah. Not sure how hard Utah is going to go in that game, but if Portland wins that, then they stay ahead of the Lakers. The Lakers are also playing tomorrow. They are playing at 830. They are playing the the Houston Rockets, which means that's a guaranteed win. And LeBron is coming back for that one. He wanted to save up so he could come back for that. Can't believe the Knicks blew that game tonight. If they, if they hadn't blown that game, then this would be a lot simpler. It would just be Dallas wins, Portland wins, and then the playoffs are basically set. Not going to be that simple. They're going to be difficult. New Orleans is going to try against Dallas. Utah's they're probably going to try against Portland. So we may not be able to see what exactly is going on until after tomorrow. But tomorrow is going to be very important. If all three teams win, then the magic number goes down to one. So they still control their own destiny, to be clear. Dallas and, and Portland do. But if they slip, the Lakers could absolutely climb up in there. We'll see what happens. Um, Is there anything else that we should talk about before we head out? I don't think so. I don't think so. If you have any questions, if you have any thoughts, then write to me at Denver or at NBA Blackburn. Uh, DM me if you so choose. Uh, obviously, would love to talk to everybody. I have an article coming out tomorrow about Michael Porter Jr. and his updated shot profile because I think that it is a very important piece of what Denver's doing going into the playoffs. And it has turned him into a better playoff player that he's been willing to upgrade his game from an off-ball perspective. It's done a great thing, and I think the Nuggets are going to benefit from it in the short term and the long term. Should be fun. That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook America's top-rated sportsbook app. I will be back tomorrow night to talk with somebody. I, I haven't decided yet, but going to be back to talk with somebody, and we are going to talk about the Nuggets. Probably going to be award-related as well, so if you're interested in all NBA teams, Uh, NBA MVP the Jokic Award then uh, then we're going to talk about that so it should be a lot of fun thank you so much for everybody for tuning in talk to you guys very soon